I'm Billy Branham, and this is Closer Look. We spend a lot of time in our cars. So do our kids and grandchildren. Well, today we're talking car safety. Everything from getting teenagers ready to drive to using seatbelts and child car seats properly. My first guest is Lori Walker, Child Passenger Safety Technical Advisor with Safe Kids Worldwide. In a bit, we'll discuss keeping teenagers safe behind the wheel. But let's start with the littlest passengers. Hi, Lori. Thanks so much for your time to talk. My pleasure. I always love talking about kids and car seats. What are some of the biggest mistakes parents make in using child car seats? Let me just start off by saying that everybody who has a child who doesn't fit in a seatbelt, and we can get to that later about what when a seatbelt really does begin to fit. Everybody who has a child who should be in a car seat should be using a car seat. About 40% of kids who died in 2016 died as a result of not being in a car seat. And it's just a, it's one of those things that it's a great protective measure, one of the best things you can do is to use a restraint every time. So one of the biggest mistakes is not using a car seat when you think you can get away with it and not have to, uh, we're just going for a short trip or I won't go very fast or any of those type of things. There are other things like once you do pick a seat, maybe you picked the wrong one. Like you picked a booster seat for a newborn and you were thinking, wow, if I just get the biggest one, it'll last me for many, many years. And you really have to know that every family will probably use at least three different types of car seats from the time their child is born until the seatbelt begins to fit when they're about eight to 10 years of age. Explain why it's important to adhere to those expiration dates on seats. So um, like milk, you know, you, you buy something and you know that it's great, but as it gets older, it erodes. And so manufacturers have tested car seats and they put them through some pretty rigorous heat and cold and pushing them around and dropping them and doing all sorts of things to test how strong they are. And so when a car seat is expired at six years to seven years to 10 years, depending on the manufacturer and the type of seat you get, it's important not to go beyond that. They've tested it. They know what the structural integrity is, and it's just in the child's best interest to adhere to that expiration date. When is it safe to turn the car seats around? I'm a mom of a preschooler and I had heard varying ages. Some say, oh, at a year, it's fine. Some say, no, it's two years old. And some say as long as possible, which is correct. This is one of the biggest questions that parents and caregivers have. And the longer a child can ride rear facing, the better it is for their head, their spine and their neck. So if you buy a car seat that enables you to use it to a high weight, and that's um, how car seats are manufactured is by weight and height. If you pick a car seat that can be used to 35, 40, 45, some even go as high as 50 pounds, you should go ahead and use it as long as the child hasn't outgrown it by height. And each manufacturer is different. So if your car seat enables you to keep your child rear facing to three, that's wonderful. Two, we like to say that two plus is a good starting point for turning it forward after age two. But you may end up with a child who um, has a car seat that allows them to ride rear facing up to age one. And then that car seat has been outgrown or expired. And we would advise the parent to then go on and buy a convertible seat that they can continue to use rear facing to a higher weight. So two as the minimum, let's look at it that way. But you may be able to go to even two and a half or three or 
or maybe even four. That's what the Swedes do. The Swedes keep their kids rear facing to four, and they very, very, very rarely, if ever, have a fatality in Sweden. I hear a lot of people will say, you know, well, my child gets bored facing backward. That's why I flipped them around or they scream the whole time. Do you have any tips for those parents? I think sometimes it's more the parent that's worried about it than the child. You know, with kids who um, can look out the window, they do see out the back window. It's a matter of realizing that there are some safety things that you have to do, whether your child likes it or not. Kids cry when they don't get what they want, and it's a matter for parents to sometimes figure out what is it that I can do to keep the child a little more comfortable, a little happier in that rear-facing position. I should tell you, though, that sometimes parents have an unrealistic expectation. You know, they'll keep a child in a car seat for much longer than their attention span, and you may end up with kids that are really unhappy just because they're so bored or they're tired of sitting. Right. So, you know, we encourage people, if you're taking a long trip, stop the car every hour, get the kids out, let them run around a little bit, let them stretch, let them, you know, change of scenery, then put them back in and keep going. We heard from many families that, you know, that works for them, and it's just a non-negotiable. Everybody's buckled, everybody's in their seat, and that's how we drive. That's how we get from place to place. We're taking a closer look at car safety. I'm Billy Branham talking with Lori Walker with Safe Kids Worldwide. And we were discussing car safety from when a child is born until when they start driving. And we've covered infant seats, so let's talk about booster seats and their importance. Uh, Booster seats are one of those, I want to say they're like a transition tool because they take the child from a fully restrained position where they've got their shoulders, their hips, everything is held against the vehicle. So there's very little opportunity for kids when the harness is properly buckled to move around. It's different in booster seat because the child in a booster seat is using that seat to get a good fit of the adult seatbelt. So just like you can lean forward and do something with your nav screen or you can move forward and take something off the floor, kids can also move forward and play with that seatbelt when they're sitting in a booster. So many parents make the move to a booster seat well before the child is really mature enough to handle the booster seat and the freedom and flexibility that it enables them to have. We encourage people to use the harness. It's really the best thing. If they made one for adults, I would probably ride in it. <laughs> but they, the harness is a really great tool for keeping your child as absolutely safe as possible. Don't move out of the harness till it's outgrown by height or weight and then move into the booster. And the booster is really important for getting a good fit over the hips and over the shoulder. If your child's in a booster and you have to put the shoulder belt under the arm or they don't like it because it's cutting across their face, they're too small. That's what that's telling you and they need to go back into a car seat and use the full harness. So we encourage use of boosters and many kids will need it between 8 and 12 years of age. That's the last step before you move into the seatbelt. And we have a little test that we do for, you know, making sure that you don't move your child too fast from the booster to the seatbelt. And that is to have them sit on the vehicle seat. If they have their back and their bottom against the back of the seat, they need to bend their knees at the edge of the seat. If they can't bend their knees, they have to scooch forward so they can bend their knees. 
they are way too small to move into just the seat belt. That causes the lap belt to come up over their tummy and it makes the shoulder belt move over towards their neck or their face. And then that's where you get a bad fit of the seatbelt. That's where you get internal injuries in a sudden stop or crash. When is it okay then for a child to sit in the front seat of a vehicle? The front seat is a place where you have airbags. It's actually the riskiest place in the car is that right front passenger seat because it's closer to a point of impact in a frontal collision, which is the most common type of crash. So we liked kids under 13 to be in a back seat. So people with a van that have three rows of seats, are like, which one is the best one? Which is the safest one? It's the one where your child gets the best fit of the belt or their car seat fits. And any of those seating positions that have a seat belt or lower attachments are safe to use for a car seat. Always follow your manufacturer's instructions to your owner's manual. Can you think of any one seat that might not allow you to have a car seat? seat in it in a car or a truck the one seat other than the drivers i would say the front passenger yeah you know but some of the pickup trucks have little side facing seats where they flip down they're not allowed the the manufacturer tells you you can't use that the vehicle manufacturer says no and also the car seat manufacturer says no so that's a one of those things that parents need to check um also in some of the suvs you have a split in the back. It's two-thirds on one and one-third on the other. And some of the manufacturers say don't put a car seat in that middle between those two seats because then when you try to move one, one part of the car seat can't move and the other part can move. And so that's one where they would tell you not to put a car seat. But you won't know that until you read your owner's manual. Right. Let's talk more about leaving a child alone in the car. I'd like to hope most of us understand why you don't leave a child alone in the vehicle However, I have heard parents that I know say, I'm just running into the store for 30 seconds. You know, we've heard so many of those stories and cried with many of those parents who tell us, I wish I could take it back and never make that mistake. Because sometimes you get into autopilot. You know, you get into the store, you run into a friend, you begin to chat, come back, you know, 25, 30 minutes later, horrified because you never remembered that you had left your child alone in the car. Oftentimes people will say, well, you know, um, I'm only running in for a minute to pay for the gas. We've had cars that are carjacked at gas stations. People break in and steal purses from cars out of gas stations, unattended cars. And if you wouldn't leave your purse sitting on the seat of the car, why would you leave your child in there? So we feel for those parents that have made that mistake. And most of the time, over 50% of the time, people forget their children. It's not that they don't love their kids. It's that they are maybe sleep deprived. It's a brand new routine. Mom usually drives, but today it was dad. So we have great empathy for these parents, many parents, and as I say, over 50%. It's completely unintentional. Well, Lori, thank you so much for all the expert advice and for sharing all of your knowledge. UltimateCarSeatGuide.com. Yes, Ultimate Car Seat Guide. It's a great little interactive webpage where parents can put their age, weight, and height of their child, go in and find out what's the right seat for them, and then learn little tips about how to use their seat using video and instruction. 
We're talking about car safety from birth to driving age. This is Closer Look. I'm Billy Branham, joined by Catherine McDonald, Assistant Professor at University of Pennsylvania School of Nursing and Senior Fellow at the Center for Injury Research and Prevention at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Billy. Let's start with teenagers learning to drive. What tips can you share as they start out? A really important piece is the engagement of parents where they're in the vehicle with their teen and their teen is learning to drive. We know that teens can master the basic skills of driving pretty quickly, like turning on the vehicle um, and those basic maneuvers. But what we know is that the more complex driving scenarios can be difficult for teens to maneuver in. And that's what places them at risk for crashes when they get their license. Right. And car accidents are still the leading cause of death for teenagers. That's kind of scary. What should parents maybe talk about with their kids before they get behind the wheel? You're right. Motor vehicle crashes are the leading cause of death in teens and teens are particularly at risk in the first months after they get their license. So it's important for parents to talk to their teens about the importance of getting as much driving experience or supervised practice driving as possible and to continue to get experience on the road uh, even after they get their license. So just because a teen gets their license doesn't mean that the parent has to leave the vehicle. They can still be a passenger with that teen and help them to gain more exposure on the roadway. And the most common mistakes that are made at first are? We know that when we have looked at crash data of teens, we know that there's common scenarios in which teens crash. And these include making left turns at intersections, uh, rear-ending the vehicle in front of them, or running off the roadway for reasons such as speeding or driving too fast for conditions. And so there's basic skills that are involved in all those different scenarios. For example, in making a left turn at an intersection, those scanning behaviors as a teen approaches an intersection, looking left, right, left again before making that left turn and anticipating what the other traffic is doing are really important skills for them to master. Likewise, with rear-ending, what we see often is that teens misjudge following distance or how fast they should be driving in following a vehicle in front of them. So teens may not be as skilled to stop as quickly or to judge the speed at which they should be driving when they're following a vehicle in front of them. Now, we all know that there are dangers when it comes to texting and driving. I see adults do it all the time. How can we make young drivers understand how dangerous it really is? We know from our research um, in the interviews I've done with teens, they know that using their cell phone while driving is a risky behavior, yet they talk about doing it anyway or that their friends are doing it anyway. Phones are really important to teens. And so helping them to understand that the phone can't be transferred to the vehicle. Phones can be used for music or maps, but the texting or messaging or calls or social media um, can be particularly distracting for teens. We've also been seeing a lot more videos of drivers breaking the law around school buses where they just ignore that stop sign that comes out. Why do you think that's happening? Although we have not necessarily done a lot of research around um, school buses and in fractions around drivers ignoring the school bus that's stopping. Um, what we can think about is this idea around vigilance and paying attention to the roadway when we're driving. Because as a school bus is approaching and you see the lights start to go on as well as that stop sign come out from the bus, that requires a driver to be attentive to the roadway to anticipate or see that that is 
coming. So if we think about our teen drivers who are need to gain experience on the road, that would be a really important point or skill to point out to them. Being aware of their surroundings, other traffic, um, and the actions that they take and the effects it can have on others. This is Closer Look. I'm Billy Branham, joined by Catherine McDonald. She's a senior fellow at the Center for Injury Research and Prevention at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. We're talking about teaching teenagers to become safer drivers. There are new laws, newer since maybe I've learned how to drive, that protect young drivers, like not having other teenagers in the car until they're of a certain age, or before the learner's permit was so small of a window before you actually got your license. With all those new laws, are we seeing a difference in the statistics? Uh, With those laws, what we call graduated driver license or provisions, um, those three phases, the learner phase, the probationary phase, and that full licensure phase, When we look back over the last 25 years um, since they've started, yes, we've seen a reduction in motor vehicle crashes related to these really important provisions. Provisions related to limiting peer passengers or no cell phones while driving or limiting their exposure to nighttime driving. The goal behind these is to help reduce risk for the teens. So it's taking away what we know are high-risk conditions. For example, we know the more peer passengers that a teen has in a vehicle, it increases their risk for a fatal crash. Likewise, we know that teens are at higher risk for a fatal crash at nighttime. And so those provisions are are helping us reduce those high-risk environments. How can parents choose a good driving school? Uh, They want to do their research as much as possible. Uh, The philosophy that driving school has around the supervised practice driving. And I think importantly, they want to have look for one that they can have a partnership with. So ultimately, you want to have a teen that is ready to take their licensing exam and is safe. And the time period for one teen might not be the same for others. And so parents would want to look for a driving school that can help them figure out what works best for their teen and their family because one size doesn't always fit all. Final reminders or thoughts as teenagers are learning how to drive for parents out there? Parents should consider and think about their own driving behaviors. So parents are driving around their children all the way from infancy through the teenage years. And so there are many opportunities for parents to be modeling safe driving behaviors. That child that's in the five-point restraint facing forward or a booster seat in the back seat to that teen that's in the front seat passenger seat, what that parent is doing is showing their teen or that child what's a safe or unsafe behavior. Parent who is using their phone while they're driving and their child can see it or a teen who knows that their parent uses their phone while they're driving, well, that's sending a message to that teen. And so we want to send safe driving messages. We want parents to be modeling safe behaviors so they can impart that on their child as well and be able to say, I don't use my phone. You can't use your phone while you're driving. And so those negotiations can really have an engaged parent and teen around the driving experience. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for the expert advice and the tips, Catherine. Thank you so much, Billy. Thank you to both my guests, Catherine McDonald and Lori Walker. You can find more information about proper car seat usage at ultimatecarseatguide.com. For Closer Look, I'm Billy Branham.